It was a dark and stormy night. Do I have your attention? It really was a dark and stormy night. We, we were winding our way up a mountain road. The rain was coming down in buckets. It was a caravan of cars, dozens of us. And uh, it wasn't so bad to be in a dark and stormy night because I was in a really cool car. Um, I was a high school student and I was riding along with my brother and our closest friend and, and we were in my brother's 69 Camaro that was just sweet. And we had all the right tunes and we had all the right stuff going on and so we're heading up the hill to something that we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. So we had been um, visiting this church youth group, which was very unusual for us. We were not church kids. We did not grow up that way. We didn't know anything about all that stuff. But we had been going to this church youth group for about three or four weeks. And um, we noticed that among the games and the fun and the pizza and the music and all of that kind of stuff, there was something even better than that. Girls. And lots of them. And we had heard that there was going to be a retreat in the mountains, and we had never been to a church retreat, couldn't think of anything we would less like to do. Um, and this particular retreat for this youth group was designed just for the committed Christian kids. It was not an outreach event. It was not all about fun and games. It was about going up to the mountain, spending time in prayer, being taught the word of God, working on discipleship, growing deeper. And that didn't apply to any of the three of us. But did I mention the girls? And so we decided that it might be a good idea for us to go on this retreat. And so as we're driving up the hill in this caravan up toward Big Bear, and the rain is just coming down in sheets, we are listening to the music and having a great time and cruising up the hill very slowly because of the rain, when suddenly my brother's car starts to sputter. And we realize that for whatever reason, his car is breaking down and we're in the middle of this caravan of cars on a mountain road. We find a place to turn out and we turn out and this whole group of cars turns out behind us and the rain is just coming down and he can't get it to start and he can't get it to start. Finally, the uh, youth pastor comes out of his car, comes around and says, what's going on? And we're like, we don't know, it's broken. We gotta get it out of the road. So my brother and me and the youth pastor are behind his car pushing it up a mountain road, getting soaked with rain. This is not what we signed up for. That's when I noticed that every other word coming out of my brother's mouth started with the letter F. <laughs> and even I had enough common sense to know that you can talk like you wanna talk most of the time, but when the pastor is standing next to you, you don't use that kind of language because pastors have never heard those words before. <laughs> and so my brother is just cussing up a storm as we're pushing this car and the past youth pastor is just whistling a worship song and up we go. And finally, I'm embarrassed and I elbow my brother and I'm like, come on, dude, get it together. And he turns and says something to me and the expletives began to roll out of my mouth and the two of us began to scream at each other filthy words as much as we possibly could to tear one another down and do whatever we could to damage one another's reputation while the pastor pushed the car. 
We made it up the hill finally. And both my brother and I gave our lives to Christ that weekend. And it, it changed everything for us. But it did not happen all at once. As I said, I had enough sense to know even then that um, that's not the kind of language you use right in front of the pastor, but it never occurred to me that my speech, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, would have to change, that the speech patterns that I had become accustomed to were going to have to be adjusted uh, for everyday life, for everyday life. I mean, it's just words, right? It's just words. And then a college guy came alongside of my brother and me and our friend who also gave his life to Christ that weekend. And he began to teach us what it is to walk with Jesus. And we didn't know what to do. And he said, well, why don't we memorize scripture together? I said, great, let's do that. And he said, let's start with the book of James. And we began to memorize the book of James. And I had no idea that that's not what every Christian does. I thought that was like the initiation. You had to do that, memorize a book of the Bible. So no one told me that was a ridiculous ask. He just said, we're going to memorize the book of James. And we sat out that day in James chapter 1, verse 1, and began memorizing the book of James and got all the way through those five chapters. And what I learned in that time is that James has a lot to say about what comes out of your mouth. And so I began to really think about that. And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of James. It's way in the back of your Bible. Find the book of Hebrews and go one more book to the right, and you'll find the little book of James. And I, and I want us to go, this is just one of the spots James talks about this, but I want us to go to James chapter 3 and verse 5. And I'm going to give you a minute to get there, uh, but let me give you a warning right now. You're going to need your Bibles today, and I'm not going to give you time to find these verses. We're going to cover 261,305 verses today, and you're going to have to get to them quickly. So James, I'm giving you a minute for. After that, you're on your own. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. James says this, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. The tongue can set on fire the course of our lives, and the tongue is set on fire itself by hell, the very world of iniquity, it says. Now, this is a great illustration for those of us who live in Southern California in particular because we know about wildfires, right? And we know that every year in Southern California and Northern California, for that matter, the hills become ablaze at one place or another, and we see the devastation, and we understand what can happen in a wildfire. Um, what starts a California wildfire? A spark, just a spark. Sometimes it's arson, but, but most of the time, it's just a simple matter of carelessness, isn't it? 
Most of the time, it's a cigarette butt out the car window. Most of the time, it's a campfire that wasn't put all the way out before we left camp. Um, sometimes a kid who got a hold of some matches or uh, a backfire from a tailpipe in the wrong area, and boom, the fire begins and the destruction begins. It's just a little spark, no big deal. But those little sparks every year in California do billions of dollars of damage. And every year, people lose their homes. And every year, people lose their lives. Don't tell those people that a spark is no big deal. James says that our words can be just as devastating as a wildfire. You think, okay, that's kind of hyperbole. Isn't that taking things a bit too far? After all, weren't we all taught this as kids? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Oh, you guys had, your moms knew this one too, huh? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Well, I'm sure that our moms meant well, but I'm not sure they got this one right. And as we continue our study of biblical wisdom, today we're going to see what the Bible has to say about the wise use of words. And it might surprise you how much the Bible has to say about this. In fact, just in the book of Proverbs alone, the big book of wisdom, there's over 120 verses dealing with the issue of our speech, what comes out of our mouth. And good news We're not going to read all of them. We don't have time for that, but we are going to look at our fair share. But before we even get to Proverbs, where we're going to do most of our study, um, let me just give you some New Testament picture. I mean, what does Jesus have to say about this? Well, in Matthew 15, 11, he says this, it is not what enters the mouth that defiles a man, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles the man. And, and take your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew, and let's look together at Matthew chapter 12, and we're going to pick it up in verse 33. First book of the New Testament, book of Matthew chapter 12 and verse 33. Here's what he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good for The mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. The evil man brings out of his evil treasure what is evil. But I tell you that every single careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Now, Both of those passages are Jesus speaking. And when Jesus has finally spoken on an issue, that should pretty much close the book. That should be good enough for us. But as you continue reading your New Testament, you find almost every book deals with this. In fact, Paul writes about it extensively. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. By the way, if you're a note taker, just write these verses down. You'll get to them later. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Colossians chapter 4, verse 6, let your speech always be with grace as those seasoned with salt. 
Ephesians 5, verse 4, and there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. 1 Timothy 4.12 tells us to be an example of Christ-likeness in our speech, as well as our conduct, love, faith, and purity. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16, avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will only lead to further ungodliness. I could go on and on and on, but I hope you're starting to get the point. My mom may have said that words are no big deal, but even she knew that wasn't true. She was the one washing my mouth out with soap, right? (laughs) And if words are no big deal, then why does the Bible make such a point of telling us to be incredibly careful with the way we use them? Obviously, we could spend a lot of time reading and discussing biblical verses on the topic, but we're going to focus in Proverbs today. So turn to the book of Proverbs and get ready. Uh, Book of Proverbs is right in the middle of your uh, Bible. If you get the book of Psalms, it's the next book to the right. And we don't have time to look at all 120 plus verses, um, but let me focus my comments on a couple of very dangerous paths that we can get on when it comes to what comes out of our mouth. And let me just tell you now, this is going to be a highly practical message. This is not going to be one of those messages where you leave on Sunday morning and go, that was interesting, but I have no idea what needs to be adjusted in my life. God might just poke you a little bit today, and it's going to be very clear to you what he wants to adjust in your life. So you've been warned. Listen up. Proverbs chapter 12, beginning at verse 18. We're going to start there. Proverbs 12, verse 18. Listen to this. There is one who speaks rashly, like the thrusts of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Rash words are like the thrust of a sword. But wise words bring healing. I don't have to spend much time on this. We all know it's true. Every one of us has some scars from words that have been spoken to us over the years. And probably every one of us has left some scars on others with the words that we have spoken as well. It's like a sword and it pierces and it does damage. And you know that because you've had to live with it. But a wise person, it says, speaks words that bring healing. Here's another one. Proverbs 21, verse 23. Proverbs 21, 23. He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Let me rephrase that. Keep your mouth shut and you stay out of trouble. <laughs> if, if, you, if you're careful and think before you speak, are any of you like me where the filter for your mouth is way out here and not in here? And, and the words get out, right? Sometimes the words are out and I'm reaching for them, trying to get them back before they hit your ears, but it's too late, right? And, and he says, listen, if you're wise, you will watch your words because if you do so, you'll guard your soul from trouble. We're going to talk about that quite a bit um, today, but that is a verse worth memorizing. 
For me, uh, it's usually about humor. If you know me, you know that's true. Uh, the number of times I've had to apologize for something that came out of my mouth because I thought it would be funny uh, is a very large number. How many times have I hurt somebody or, or um, diminished a relationship because something popped into my head? You guys, I can't help it. I have this freaky brain. Like you just say something innocent and immediately sarcasm jumps into my brain and I think of something to say and usually it's the wrong things that to say um, and and I call that joking around and there's nothing wrong in and of itself with joking around and I think God created humor and I think a sense of humor is a great thing to have but when it goes too far it can reach a point that this verse God calls foolishness what I call joking around, God calls foolishness. So with all that in mind, I want us to think of two specific ways our speech can be destructive, okay? I'm just gonna give you two, two big things for you to write down and a bunch of verses. So the first one is this. Two ways our speech can be destructive. Number one, lying. Proverbs has so much to say about this, you guys. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 6. I'm telling you, you're going to need to write a list of verses here. You can just write on your notes, lying, and then you'll have a whole section of what Proverbs says about it. And this just scratches the surface. But we're going to begin in Proverbs 6, verse 16. There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. And now, this is Hebrew poetry. Uh, obviously, there are more than six things that God hates. In fact, there's more than seven. This is not the exhaustive list of things that God hates, but it's saying, let me tell you some of the things that God despises because of the damage they do. And he starts with what he calls haughty eyes, which is to say those who pridefully look down on other people. Those who look down on other people, it says God can't stand that. When we puff ourselves up, we think we're better than somebody else, we act as their judge, we look down on other people and we think, man, I'm glad I'm better than them. God can't stand that. In fact, the argument can be made biblically that pride is at the root of every single sin we commit. God can't stand it. So there's a, a huge one to begin with. The third one that is mentioned is murder. Those who shed innocent blood. So we have pride, which God says he hates more than anything, and we have murder, and sandwiched in between those things, what do we have? A lying tongue. And you go, well, that's a little ridiculous. I mean, murder and lying? Murder and pride, he goes on, a feet that run to wickedness, a heart that devises evil, he goes on and on. But right there in the middle of it all, is lying. This is apparently very serious to God. We, we call it a little white lie. And here God calls it an abomination. Something to think about. Skip over to Proverbs chapter 10. 
And let's look at verse 18 together. Proverbs 10, 18. He who conceals hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads slander is a fool. Lying um, seems like a wise thing to do sometimes, but God says that when we resort to lying, we're playing the part of a fool. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 17. Here's what it says. Bread obtained by falsehood is sweet to a man, but afterwards his mouth will be filled with gravel. Isn't that a great image? Like, it's like a mirage in the desert, right? And, and off, because of the, of the heat and because of the way the sun is shining, you see off in the distance as you are dying of thirst, you see what appears to be water and, and you use the last little bit of your strength to make it to that water so you can begin to drink it in. And as you begin to drink it in, you realize that you're just drinking in sand and gravel and that's it. That's what God says. Lying is all about. Guys, this, uh, let's just make a point here. You know, um, Satan's temptations, they may satisfy for a moment. I'm not gonna sit here and say they don't. But that satisfaction always turns to gravel in your mouth. Satan is the father of lies. He lies to us. And he tempts us to lie to others and it might seem like a good path, but it always brings destruction to others and to ourselves. It's like a mouthful of gravel. And I know that there are times when lying just seems like the only reasonable thing to do. It's the only wise path that you have and it looks like the best way. I know that some of you work in settings where lying is part of your job description where it's just understood that we have to lie in order to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. And so we're gonna mislead some people. I know that a number of you work in situations where that's what's expected of you. And you guys, I used to be a used car salesman. So I know about this pressure. I understand what we're talking about here. Um, and, and now it blows my mind. Now I get paid to speak the truth. It's kind of cool. But in those days, the pressure to deceive, to hold something back, to just not tell the whole truth, it, it's part and parcel of what you do. And the pressure is on you to do that. And you, you know, lying, it, it might help you close a deal. It, it might help you actually get that promotion. But ask yourself this, at what cost? Is it costing you your reputation? And if your reputation becomes that of someone who cannot be trusted, what does that cost you in the long run? Well, let me ask you another question. As a child of God, is it costing God his reputation? What do people think of God when they look at his followers? And if they see us as those who don't tell the truth, how do they believe our story when we say that we follow Jesus who is the truth? What does this do to God's reputation in the eyes of others? Before we justify lying in any context, lying in our jobs or, or lying in our relationships, let's just ask ourselves two simple questions. 
am I living for the moment or am I living for eternity? What does my value system tell me about this? Am I living so that I could get ahead in this moment or am I living so that I could hear one day, well done, good and faithful servant? Or or ask yourself this, do I serve my company or do I serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? And how much am I willing to trust him? I know this isn't easy, guys. I'm not kidding. I know it isn't easy. But God's word could not be more clear on this. If there was some little verses that say, well, it's okay to lie in these circumstances. It's okay to lie if it's about that. Um, I would tell you, but I've been searching the scriptures and everything I say, everything I see says that if you make dishonesty the path that you take, you will reap destruction and so will other people. And so God's serious about this. And I told you, this was going to be intensely practical. Some of us have some serious thinking to do about how do I pattern myself when it comes to truth-telling? Am I going to be a person who lies, or am I going to be a person who tells the truth? Am I going to be a person who applies God's word in my life and believes the things that he says, or am I going to be a person who uses my own wisdom Right? What does it say in Proverbs chapter 3? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Do I believe that? Do I believe that I can lean on God's understanding even when it's different than my understanding? And do I believe that God keeps his word when he says that when I do that, he will take care of straightening out my path? Or do I think I've got to determine my path? I've got to lay that road. I've got to make sure I get there on my strength, whatever it takes. Some of us have some thinking to do this week. So that's the first destructive thing that we're warned about in Proverbs. And the second one that has to do with what comes out of our mouth that we're warned about is the whole topic of gossip. Go back, go again to Proverbs chapter six. Now, uh, we're gonna look again at that passage we looked at first underlying. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Let me read it to you again. There are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven which are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. It's interesting, seven things are listed there as indicative of the things that God hates, and three of them have to do with what comes out of our mouth. Two different, passages, two different verses that have something to do with lying, and another one that has to do with gossip, spreading strife among brothers. Apparently, what comes out of our mouth is very important to God. Apparently, God is sick of watching sparks fly from my mouth that set forests ablaze. And he warns us about this. So, he tells us lying in general is a problem. He tells us a false witness is a problem. And he tells us that spreading strife among people, and by the way, that's what we call gossip, is a problem. And I need to tell you uh, that this is a particular danger to those of us in the church. This is a particular danger to those of us who are serious about following Jesus in our lives because we, um, if we're not careful, gossip can spread 
in a church family like pink eye in a kindergarten class. It's tough to stop when it starts. Because here, among God's people, here in our church family, we're supposed to be vulnerable. We're supposed to be open to one another. We're supposed to share our hurts and our struggles and the things that we're going through. Here in the body of Christ, we're supposed to pray for one another. We're supposed to try to help each other and that's what sets us up for this being such a problem because it's also here in the church that it is so easy to talk behind somebody's back. To share that juicy tidbit of information disguised as a prayer request. And to play fast and loose with somebody else's reputation in the process. And don't you see that that's exactly what Satan is trying to do? He's trying to extinguish the flame of true fellowship and love and support within the body of Christ. And he's trying to light a flame of division. And at a time when there are a thousand temptations to divide into factions among God's people... The last thing we need is to give gossip a place to flourish. It can absolutely destroy unity in a local church. Or, you know, in a family, in a, in a team, in a work group, uh, in a group of friends. It can just destroy unity. And you don't need me to tell you that because we all know somebody or maybe have somebody that we're just not speaking to anymore. We all know somebody who is just separated from someone they were once close to because that trust has been broken to the point where they're just not willing to go there anymore. And by the way, just so we don't let ourselves out of the little escape hatch too easily, let me just say this. Just because something is true doesn't mean it ought to be shared. Well, all I said was the truth. Yeah, did you need to say that truth? What was the damage of what needed to be said. Was your speech seasoned with salt? Did you, did you actually dis- ask yourself, is this according to the need of the moment? And will it reflect grace to those who hear? Is it going to edify? Is it going to build up? Sometimes the stuff that comes out of our mouth, we can justify and say, well, it's true. I mean, as far as I know, I mean, I heard it was true. And we share it. And the spark becomes a flame. We already read Proverbs chapter 10, verse 18. It says that a person who spreads slander is a fool. Look at Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9. Proverbs eleven nine 9 says this. With his mouth, the godless man destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered. How do we destroy our neighbor? Is it, is it with a gun? Is it with a sword? Is it with a hand grenade? How is it that we destroy our neighbor? According to this, he says, those who are godless destroy the lives of those around them with their words. Sharing slander. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 27. A worthless man digs up evil. While his words are like scorching fire, a perverse man spreads strife and a slanderer separates intimate friends. Wow. If you're a person who loves to dig up dirt on somebody else, the Bible calls that 
worthless. It's a worthless use of your time. And, and if you slander and gossip and drive a wedge between friends, the Bible calls you perverse. You still think a few careless words are no big deal? <laughs> Blows my mind to read Proverbs. This is written 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago, and it's absolutely as true today as it was then, isn't it? Is this not what we can observe in our own lives? We see it. God is not trying. Let me say it this way. Sometimes we have this idea that the Bible is like some, a book of rules, a code of conduct. And God is trying to tell us, listen, you're going to line up and you're going to do these things uh, because he, he wants to keep us from having any fun or, or having any success or having any joy or anything like that. I mean, he has all these rules, right? Listen, God loves you. Nothing that he says is meant to keep you from any good thing. And when he tells us to watch our mouths, he's not doing it to make us miserable. He's doing it to free us to be productive, godly, uh, joy-filled people. He's not trying to keep us from something good here. He's trying to help us avoid destruction in our lives. And all this talk about gossip doesn't just pertain, by the way, to those who talk. It also pertains to those who listen. Chapter 17 of Proverbs, verse 4. An evildoer listens to wicked lips. A liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. So, so the, man, if, if you weren't feeling convicted, if you're going, you know, I'm pretty good about this. I don't just call everybody and tell them everybody's business. That's not my thing. Um, I don't really do that. It says here that if you listen to those who do that, you're as big a part of the problem as they are. And so he pushing us here, even beyond what we think. I got to work in this. I got to stop gossiping. I got to stop slandering. I got to stop talking about things that aren't really my business. He goes, yeah, that would be good. And by the way, when somebody else is doing it, tell them to stop. Walk away from that conversation, he says. If you're listening to this, that's a problem. Some of us need to learn how to redirect a conversation. The gossip starts to flow, and some of us need to learn how to change the subject, to call time out, uh, to talk about something else, or maybe we need to stop hanging out with people who just can't seem to keep their mouth shut. And by the way, <laughs> you know this, right? If they're talking about others to you, guess what? They're talking about you to others. That's why Proverbs 20, verse 19 says, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secret. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. We're, we're commanded in Scripture not to associate with gossips. So if you can't get control of the conversation to the point where it's no longer about spreading juicy gossip on other people, then at some point you need to say, this is not a good person for me to be hanging out with. I've got to actually change this. Some of us need to just stop hanging out with some people. And some of us may even need to take it a step further with people we really love and to love them enough to challenge them on this and to say, hey, 
the Lord's been really showing me that I need to watch my heart and watch my mouth. And when it comes to gossip, he doesn't want me doing it. So how about we make a pact together that when we talk, we're not gonna talk about other people's business and help one another and lift one another up in this way. And I know this is difficult to do. Let's be honest. We like to hear dirt on people. Um, Listen to this, Proverbs chapter 18, verse eight. Here's what it says. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels and they go down into the innermost parts of the body. Dainty morsels. Uh, some, of, some translations um, say choice morsels. The, the words of a gossip are tasty, it says. Right? And we go, oh, so if that's good, right? No, God's not saying it's good. Let me see if I can help us all understand this. Have you ever been to Cold Stone Creamery? What genius came up with the idea of a frozen slab of marble mixing different kinds of ice cream on it and then throwing in cookies and brownies and M&Ms and any kind of candy that you like, some caramel sauce, some hot fudge, mixing it all together, putting it in a cup and handing it to someone to eat. That person is a genius. (laughs) Coldstone Creamery is the greatest thing in the world. If somebody's like, hey, you want to go to Cold Stone? I just went to Cold Stone here. And you're like, well, you know, I probably shouldn't. (laughs) Maybe just a gallon. Then I'll I'll stop. Right? And and did you ever hear anybody go, no, no, no. Let me me explain to you. Uh, Cold Stone is actually very good for you. Um, There's eight essential vitamins in this. And shut up. (laughs) We all know it's terrible for you. We all know it rots you out from the inside out, and I love it. Oh my gosh, right now I want to just leave and go get some. That's what he's saying. Gossip is like a dainty morsel, like a bowl of cold stone. We want it, but it's bad for you. No matter how good that morsel of gossip may seem in the moment, it's poison. Poison to your life, poison to the lives of others. It can destroy your life, the scripture says. So there you have it. Two warnings from the book of Proverbs. Things to watch out for that can destroy your life. And they're not just things to watch out for out there. They're things to watch out for in here. They come from the heart. That's why Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's what comes out of our mouths that defile us because it reflects what's in our hearts. So God is talking to us about changing what's going on inside. Two warnings that will help us determine the difference between a wise and productive life and a foolish and destructive life. Next week, we're going to look at two more. The next time you're tempted to speak a lie, the next time you're tempted to participate in any way in some gossip, remember the last 
California wildfires. Think about the destruction that can come from just one little spark. And remember that God loves you enough to warn you. Control the sparks and avoid the fires. A wise person uses words very carefully. Words were meant to build people up, not to tear them down. If you're like me, you probably have some stuff to think about this week. If you're like me, you may have some adjustments to make with regard to your speech. Here's my advice. Make the adjustment. You will not regret it. Let's stand together and pray. Lord, I thank you that your word is like solid gold, so incredibly valuable to us. That, that by your Holy Spirit, you've inspired truth that gets into our hearts and changes our lives. And God, we need to be changed. We need on one level or another to be transformed. We need to come to grips with the truth of your word and, and, and let it permeate our lives. God, help us choose words that glorify you and only speak the words that we choose. Help us to be people who recognize gossip and slander when we hear it and Get away from it. Help us to be people who trust you enough to say, we're going to let you be our guide and not our own wisdom. Help us when, when we're in a, a job situation or, or in a situation in our relationship where it just seems to us that, that lying is really the, the best option or, or gossiping is the best option. Help us to be people who say yes to you and no to sin. And as we do, Lord, protect our lives, we pray. Keep us from destruction. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.